glad you got. You know, we have so many reasons to praise God. And we could probably list them, the reasons that things God has done in our life. And I think um, sometimes when we're thinking about reasons we have to praise God, I think we sometimes focus on not the most important reasons. Like we focus on, on where certain things that trigger in us a praise of God. And those are all great. But I think we miss sometimes, we take for granted the most important reason we have to praise God. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is what um, Christ has done for us, <clears throat> excuse me, that gives us reason to praise him. Um, have you ever had like a, uh, a, uh, like a moment of clarity where you just, uh, like an understanding comes to mind and it just puts everything else into focus? kind of shifts everything you kind of realize oh my gosh and it kind of it puts it puts like a bright spotlight on truth in your life um kind of an aha moment where you there you a realization you come to that that changes things um that's where we talk about this morning jesus actually provides one of those in the story we're going to read this morning we've been studying taking doing this series on the life of jesus where we're studying uh jesus as um our source of great joy and his life is our path of following him as a path of great joy and as we study the life of Jesus, um, a lot of us think, oh, I know Jesus, I got this down. And I think we miss some of the stuff that maybe is, is important. And we miss those aha moments because we think we already got it. Um, well, this morning is one of those aha moments we're going to see where Jesus does the unexpected. Um, there, a situation is set up perfectly for him to do one thing. And instead of doing that one thing, he does an entirely different thing. And in that choice of doing the different thing, I think it's very revealing for us, uh, grants us a great perspective on our own life. So uh, this is found in Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 17 through 26 is our, our, our account this morning. So Zoomers, if you can open your Bible to Luke 5, 17 through 26. Um, also, for those here in the room, it's in your bulletins. Let me flip over to it as well. The context here, this is very early in Jesus' ministry. He is super popular right now because he's doing a bunch of healing like he is healing left and right uh the word is out crowds are gathering everybody wants a bit of healing um demons getting cast out physical healings happening all this stuff's going on and uh so the so he's super popular crowds are gathering and this is one of those scenes where the crowd is gathered and as the crowds are gathering the pharisees the religious leaders of the day are also gathering but they're doing it kind of with a stink eye face like hey what's going on over there they're there to judge and to determine if this is really of god okay <clears throat> so our passage uh, luke 5 17 through 26 check this out one day jesus was teaching and pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there they had come from every village of galilee and from judea and jerusalem that's a long ways away so crowds are gathering and the power of the lord was with jesus to heal the sick some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before jesus can you picture this scene crowded house he's in a house there's so many people there these guys show up they think all the work it took to get that paralyzed man there they got the mat the one person on each corner they're trying to get him in but the crowd's too big they can't get him before jesus Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Literally, these people cut a hole in the roof. This is how they did roofs back then. They would overlap tile, kind of set them there with straw and all this uh, to keep the rain out. And then they get a ton of rain, but that, that's what that would keep. 
Uh, they literally removed tiles in order to lower him down. That's how big a deal it was to get this paralyzed friend of theirs. Imagine, he must have really mattered to these guys for them to do this, to get them, him down in front of Jesus. Okay, so uh, they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, he looks at the man, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. You guys catch what he just did? After all that, they, they, to get their paralyzed friend down in front of Jesus, Jesus has been healing people left and right. Here's a man who needs healing. They lay, he lays him before Jesus. Jesus looks down at him, sees the man, sees his need, according to his infinite wisdom and knowledge and discernment, his eternal perspective, looks at this man who's paralyzed, that's unable to move, and says, he doesn't say, paralyzation, leave him. He doesn't say, strength, legs, but find strength in your you know, legs, be strengthened. He didn't do any of that. He says, your sins are forgiven. And in that moment, I think it reveals something. When Jesus looked at this man, he saw this man's biggest need in front of him, despite his paralyzation, was he had sins that need to be forgiven. And from that, that's our central truth this morning. We're going to be talking about this concept. <clears throat> and it's something I think we need to wrap our brain around is this. Your biggest need is forgiveness for your sins. Your biggest need is forgiveness for your sins. That's your biggest need. When they laid this guy in front of Jesus, 100 people out of 100 people, if you polled them, what's this guy's biggest need? They would say he needs to be healed from paralysis. 100 out of 100 would say that. But yet Jesus looks at him and says, sees a man with sin that needs to be forgiven. And he, according to his eternal perspective, knows this man needs that sin forgiven. Even more than he needs movement in his body, he needs his sin forgiven. See, Jesus understood the, understands the eternal perspective. He knew what it meant to be an enemy of God and a friend of God and what a big switch that is. And this man with his sin in his life, even with paralyzed, even if he healed this man and he still carried his sin, he knew he was doomed to eternity uh, under God's wrath. But instead, by, by forgiving his sins, he was blessing this guy with even greater than putting movement in his body. He was blessing him by making him a friend of God, a son of God, an heir of the kingdom, by stating those words, friend, your sins are forgiven. <clears throat> and this is pretty amazing to think about because imagine this guy's life, this paralyzed guy what it meant to be paralyzed in that time, in that era. There was no social services. There was no, um, no uh, handicap ramps. There was no access to come pick you up. There was none of that. It was just him and a mat. And imagine what that would do to him. Imagine his emotional need he would have. His emotional, the, the emotions of, 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 of being paralyzed and dealing with that struggle every bit of his life. Imagine the, the financial need this guy had. He's unable to work. All he's got is what his family could provide or what he can beg for. That's all he's got. Imagine his, his physical need, of course. He's unable to move, unable to bathe himself, unable to do these basic things. He had all these, wonderful, all these amazing needs, these, these terrible needs, and yet when he gets before Jesus, he even had the felt need. He got up there feeling, I need to be healed of this paralysis. And yet when he gets in front of Jesus, Jesus looks at him, and sees an even greater need than all those things, a need for forgiveness of his sins. <clears throat> and I think we can learn a lot from this story. 
just if, if that man's biggest need is forgiveness for his sins, despite all his very real need in his life, what does that say about us? Who have movement, who have provision, who have some level of emotional strength and some who have been blessed in life. If that guy's need was forgiveness of sins, even more than, than healing, what does that say about us? Our biggest need is for forgiveness for our sins. More than all the rest of it. More than healing from what physical thing we're facing. More than uh, getting that job with a certain pay level that'll increase my living. More than this relational issue I'm dealing with in my life. All these very real felt needs that are present. Even greater than those is our need for forgiveness for our sins. I think our problem, the reason we get this wrong is uh, we, are, we are creatures of the moment. Literally, we are, we are temporal creatures in, in a timeline. And as we're living as temporal creatures in this timeline, we prioritize the issues we face right now that affect me right now. So right now, I may need financial help for the issues I'm facing. So that takes a greater priority. Or right now, I'm dealing with this pain in my back, or I'm dealing with this very real need. So those take priority because they're immediate, and we lose sight of the greater, bigger, but more long-term need, in this case, of forgiveness of sins. It's an issue of perspective. And to put this into, um, uh, put this into perspective, in order to, uh, to show this, um, let me just, quick story. Back in January 15th, uh, so just a week ago, in 2009, though, so go back, whatever that is, 14 years, um, an airplane took off from LaGuardia in New York, heading for Seattle with a stop off in Charlotte. There's 150 people on board. This is a flight that happens every day, multiple times, happens all over the country at all moments. Uh, this was a different flight, had a different experience, though, because two minutes after takeoff, um, it runs through uh, a whole flock of Canadian geese. And those are big birds. If you've seen the Canadian geese, sometimes they're up in soccer fields and stuff, they'll plant those are those really big geese, um, leave dog sized poos everywhere. These are big birds, and this, this plane runs right through them, and it disables both engines. And so as the people are there taking off, two minutes after takeoff, they hear a loud, a loud bang. They smell smoke. And then the, from hearing the passenger's perspective, the most eerie thing that you can hear on a plane is absolute silence. Not the of the engines, because both engines have been knocked out. So they were just coasting in air. And uh, if you know the story, this is the, the plane that was eventually landed by Soli Solenberger in the Hudson River. Um, amazing story. There's a movie about it and all that. Um, and, and everyone survived the story. But what I, the reason I'm sharing this is for that moment, when they heard bang, they hear silence as they're coasting in the air. And then after a couple minutes of trying to get clearance at the airport and all that, the, the pilot couldn't, they weren't going to make it in time. Um, he makes this decision without telling anybody that he was going to land it in the river. Um, and so he, he, he announces on the intercom, brace for impact. So imagine you're on this plane, you hear silence, you're smelling smoke, the engines are not powering, and then you hear brace for impact. And what they said, what was so, uh, so, was so um, odd about this whole thing, or just creepy, was that they heard brace for impact, and then they had 90 seconds until it actually impacted. Because if you're in a car accident, you don't know you're in a car accident until you're in a car accident, right? You're driving, all of a sudden, bang, you're in a car accident. This was a different situation. They said, in 90 seconds from now, you're going to have a major event that you're most likely going to die from. So you have 90 seconds. So imagine that 90 seconds on this plane where you're hearing 
the engines are down, they're not operating. The pilot announces there's smoke. The pilot announces brace for impact, and you got 90 seconds. And they share the story. Um, if you read articles about it, what everybody was doing was, was, was exactly what you'd be doing, praying. Everybody took that 90 seconds to pray. And they just, everybody in their own head, just start praying, you know, head down and just start praying to God. And I can tell you this, I can promise you, they did not pray about losing an extra 10 pounds they wanted to lose this year. They were not praying about that job, that promotion they were hoping to get. They weren't praying about a relationship issue. They weren't praying about any of that stuff. Because then they realized in that moment, that 90 seconds was almost a gift to offer perspective of what really matters. They were praying for their life, and they were praying for, eternal, for eternity because they thought that was it. And that truth, so, and they ended up all surviving, which is wonderful, but they all came out of that change, they said. They, they looked at life different after that. And I think that's something for all of us, we lose perspective, and we get so caught up in the temporary and what I'm dealing with right now, and we think that is my biggest need, what I'm facing right now. And I would like to point out, no, as Jesus reveals with this guy on the mat, your biggest need is forgiveness for your sins. That's what you need more than anything else. See, sin, I think we underestimate the problem of sin in our life. We think sin is not a big deal because we live in a world of sin. We're surrounded by sin, uh, the people we know sin, and we sin. Uh, so we think, well, sin is just part of the human experience, whatever. And I think we underestimate the consequence of sin. And of course, there's an eternal consequence of being an enemy of God, being far from God and under the wrath of God. That, that's very real and, and legitimate and, and is the biggest, the biggest consequence of sin. Is, is puts us as enemies of God in the wrath of God. But I want to focus on a different aspect of sin because most of us in this room, maybe all of us, have, have given your life to Christ. And you said, well, Jesus already died for my sin. So this message isn't for me because my sin is no longer an issue because he, he died for that sin. He's already said to me, son, friend, your sins are forgiven. So this is more a message for those other people that haven't had that yet. And so for me, he's not really talking to me right now. Oh, but I am talking to you. Let me point out. So yes, there's the eternal consequence of sin, but there are also other consequences of sin when we allow sin to carry on in our life beyond the eternal consequence of sin. Even when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and yet then continue to walk in sin, there's consequence in our life. I think we underestimate that. We think, oh, it's not a big deal. We live in a sinful world. I'm a human being. I'll, in heaven, I'll be done with this, but now this is what I got to do because this is just what it means to be human. And, and then we allow sin to happen. Well, what's the problem of sin? Let's acknowledge what sin does in our life. Sin turns us away from God. It turns our heart away from God. So if God is here, instead of being positioned towards God, when I sin, I, it turns me away from God. My heart turns away from God. And I miss out on the fellowship with God. I miss out on the joy of experiencing God. I miss, I miss all the joy. The true benefits of faith come in our relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son, experienced through the Holy Spirit. As we're living this wonderful life, we, when we choose sin, we are turning from that. And we're missing out on the benefits of faith. We're throwing away the benefits of faith. Instead of living like a prince in the kingdom, we live like a beggar in the world as we turn from our true joy relationship with Christ. So it, it turns our hearts away from God. Sin also turns our hearts away from others. Instead of being uh, 
uh, instead of being compassionate towards others, instead of being patient towards others, instead of being loving towards others, what does sin do to us? When we sin, each time it turns our hearts away from them. It makes our heart, sin makes our heart selfish. Sin makes our heart um, uh, impatient towards others. Sin makes us unforgiving towards others. We're, we're a, 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 a heart submitted to God as one that wants to give other people the benefit of the doubt and wants to be patient, forgiving towards others. The heart corrupted by sin looks at others and is just looking for a reason to take offense, ready to get mad, ready to go off, cynical towards others, expecting the worst. All these effects sin have on us, and we allow them to be in our lives because we think, well, my sins, I prayed once for my sins to be forgiven, and uh, you know, so therefore my sin is no longer a problem. It is a problem. Your sin is still a problem when we continue to walk in it. And what's so beautiful is Jesus, as he reveals to this man on the mat who's paralyzed, the greatest need we have is for our sins to be forgiven, to be removed from us. So we need to be reminded of that, City Lights Church. We need to be reminded of that, that sin is, a, is the problem of your life. Sin is the problem of your life. Not, there's all these other circumstantial things, and they do. I'm not saying they don't matter. And can I point out, Jesus still healed the man right after this. They said, how dare you say this man? How the Pharisees start shouting, how dare you forgive this man's sins? Only God alone could do that. And he says, fine, so that you may know that I have the, the power to forgive sins. He says, get up and walk, and he heals the man. So he does heal the man. He does deal with a circumstantial problem. But only the dealing of the circumstantial problem, it's just a means to show, hey, it's just, this is really just a means, this is the route for you to receive forgiveness for your sins, so that you may know that sins may be forgiven. That's why I'm forgiven this. That's why I'm healing this man. To get up on your, on your feet and walk. So yes, God does do a mighty work in these circumstantial things. And when we, I said at the beginning, what are the, we have so many reasons to praise God. I bet your mind went to those circumstantial things he's done for you. I know it does for me. But all those things have a purpose. Greater even than healing that circumstantial problem, it's pointed to him as the one who could take away our sins, as the one who has authority to forgive sins. This was never more clear to me than when I first moved to L.A. I was going to this church in Compton, and there was this lady. Uh, she was kind of lived, had, had a wild life and... Uh, was away from God, we would say. She got cancer, and that brought her to the church because she had got this, this diagnosis of cancer. It was a fatal diagnosis. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed for this lady. She went to all the treatments, lost all her hair, whole deal. Um, and we prayed and prayed and prayed for God to remove her cancer. God did an amazing thing. He dealt with that circumstantial problem and it healed her of her cancer. And I kid you not, the day she was healed, she went on, went out, bought a wig, put it on her head, and went right back to the clubs. Because, and for her, she missed the connection. God could do this for me. He can bring forgiveness for my sins. And it made me realize in that moment, man, what was the point of that? She's not going to die today. She's going to die later and still end up in hell. Like, what, what was the point of all that? Jesus does this work. And the, in the, the reason he, he heals this guy is to point to the truth that he has the authority to forgive sins. And that's our next fill in the blank here. Is we talk about sin and the problem of sin. Jesus alone provides forgiveness of sins. Jesus alone provides forgiveness 
for sins. So as we're dealing, we recognize, if we can acknowledge sin is our biggest problem, sin is our biggest issue, one, the eternal aspect of it, but even if that's been removed, we've been forgiven for that, we still deal with temporary consequences of sin as it turns our hearts away from God, turns our hearts away from others. So what's beautiful about this is Jesus is the one that provides the answer. It had to be, it had to be Jesus, because only God as the, as the Pharisees correctly point out, only God can has the right to forgive sins. Yeah, you're right. It had to be Jesus as fully God. But along with that, only man can pay man's price for the punishment of sin. So it had to be Jesus, fully God and also fully man to pay this price, to, uh, to undo this sin, to provide forgiveness for these sins. When Jesus forgives us of our sins, because again, you're thinking, okay, but Tom, I've done that. I've submitted my life to Christ. Um, he's brought me forgiveness of sins. I know I'm forgiven, but yet we still walk in sin. And that's what I'm addressing here. All right, the sin that we allow to reside in our life is the problem that needs to get addressed in our life more than even these, these circumstantial things that we face that are very real. And what's beautiful about Jesus and the forgiveness he offers. So he offers forgiveness for past sins. So he cleans our past. He cleans away the, 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 the guilt of our sin. Uh, Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So he takes away the sin and also takes away the stain of sin, takes away the guilt and shame of sin. So that's a great thing to be reminded of because a lot of us, we say, I know, I'm, I know God forgave me of that sin, but I still carry that sin around. When I think of myself, I still, that sin is part of my story, and I just still, I still um, allow that sin to, to taint how I view myself. And we're unwilling to accept God's forgiveness in that way, and we think that that sin is somehow still on me. That's, that sin is no longer on you. The Bible tells us that he separates our sin as, from us as far as the east is from the west. That's, that's eternity away. Like, there, you, you, you keep going east, you're never going to go west. Like, they're just, they're... Uh, there is no connect. The east is over there and west is over here. That's how far our sins are removed from us. So when he looks at us, when he looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He sees his forgiven chosen son. And same with you. So that's beautiful. He wipes away our old sin. When we look back, he wipes away our own old sin. But also Jesus empowers us going forward to say no to sin going in, in the future. So that it's not just that my old sins are forgiven and then I carry on. He empowers us to say no to sin going forward. Bible tells us, describes us, we were slaves to sin. A slave, when the master says, you do this, the, the slave says, yes, sir. And that was our life before Christ. When, when sin would come calling, you'd say, yes, sir, and do what it asks you to do. But now we've been freed from slavery to sin. We live a, a new life. The old is gone. The new has come. Taking off the old life, putting on the new. This change, this difference. So now when, slave, when, when sin comes calling, we don't have to answer. We can say no. We've been freed. We're no longer under the power of sin. So there's an empowerment that affects us going forward, too. And this is where I think a lot of us miss the boat. We think sins are forgiven. That means I get to go to heaven. In the meantime, I'm just waiting for this body of sin to be over with, and I'm just going to keep living like I live, and we allow sin to reside. That's what goes on in my own head, in my own struggle with sin. Eh, it's just, this is the body, you know. Yes, I snap in anger, and oh, it'll be nice when that doesn't happen anymore. And oh, yeah, I, you know, what are these different thoughts or whatever. You know, you have your own struggle, too. 
And the thought, it, we could justify it saying, well, that's just a body of sin. But God's given us a new way to live um, by the Spirit, um, a continuous way of this continuous process of forgiving and empowering to say no to sin. Uh, I heard it described this way, and it's super helpful for me. And back in college, I got taught this principle, and it's super helpful. Um, it's called spiritual breathing. Uh, and spiritual breathing is this. Uh, exhaling is confession of sin. So whenever I sin, exhale, confess that sin to God. He's faithful, just, will forgive that sin, purify me from all unrighteousness. And then inhale, uh, guidance of the Holy Spirit, putting the Holy Spirit back in charge. Because whenever I sin, it's like I'm sitting in the passenger seat and the Holy Spirit's driving, and I reach over and I grab the wheel. Say, nope, we're going over here. And it puts myself in charge. And if I do that too long, pretty much I'm bumping him in the back seat and then I'm in the driver's seat, right? So spiritual breathing is... Oh, darn it. Sorry, God. That was a sin. I confess. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me of that sin. Thank you for forgiveness. Inhale. That was exhale. Inhale. Holy Spirit, I put you in charge of my life again. Lead me going forward. And doing that continually, because that's the thing about breathing. You don't do it once a week. You don't do it just on Sunday mornings. You breathe in, you breathe out. You breathe in, you breathe out. That's just the normal process. Well, same with this. It's something that's just a, a part of day-to-day, -day, the spiritual life of walking with Christ Spiritual breathing, exhale, God, forgive me my sin, inhale, God, lead me by your spirit. Whenever we sin, being ready to do that and not letting the account grow and like, oh, I'm just going to walk in sin for a while and then deal with it later. No, that's when we're experiencing these consequences of sin. And again, your biggest need is forgiveness for your sins. <clears throat> and notice um, I made a point to put Jesus alone provides forgiveness of sins, not just Jesus provides forgiveness of sins. Because it's not Jesus or uh, you being really good for a while. Jesus or you gritting your teeth and you, uh, you know, working really hard at it. And Jesus plus willpower, Jesus plus these philosophies, Jesus plus uh, this discipline stuff. Is Jesus alone provides forgiveness of sins. He does it because it had to be Jesus. Only he can forgive sins. Says God. And only he can pay for sins as a man. Okay, so that's true. Uh, my biggest need is forgiveness for my sins. Made clear by Jesus's seeing this man on this mat paralyzed and seeing him and seeing not his biggest need, not even being his paralysis, but forgiveness for his sins. Okay, if that thing is true for me, then our final fill in the blank is words that realization also have to continue on to. It's this. This is true for others too, or for others also. If it's true that my biggest need is forgiveness for my sins, it also means that everybody else's biggest need is forgiveness for their sins. And the reason I bring this up is we too often judge people where they're at by their successes in life and determine their need by their successes in life. We look at the homeless man and say, that person needs Christ. Look at how terrible things are. But yet the engineer at Northrop Grumman who drives an Audi and making a bunch of figures we don't look at them as, oh, man, that poor guy, he needs Christ. No, we think that one's fine. Oh, this person dealing with an addiction, their life was such a mess, they need Christ. What about the lawyer who's making good money and successful as far as the world goes? They need Christ too, just as much, maybe even more than the, than the ones that are down and out. It's tempting to think Jesus is the answer for these temporary problems. No, he's the answer for our eternal problem. Being, being separated from God because of our sin. 
all, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody, not just those who are struggling. They need Jesus. And, and again, their biggest need is Jesus. Their biggest need isn't solution for all their, their problems. Now, those problems are real. And as Christians, we need to love and serve and address issues. And uh, we need to open the orphanages. And we need to serve the homeless. And we need to love those who are hurting. We need to do all those things. Christ, imagined, Christ uh, commanded it. But don't lose sight. Their biggest need forgiveness for sins. And this also goes for your loved ones that are far from God. What do they need in their life? They need forgiveness for their sins. It's not, man, that loser needs to get the job. Man, they got to stop smoking weed all day. They need to get their life in order. They need to go back to school. They need to, and we have all these, these lists of things. Know what they need? They need Christ. Because they could do all those things and be just as lost at the end of that road, that road of, of worldly success. They'll be just as lost at the end of it. We've seen plenty of people with lots of worldly success and still feel lost. It's the norm in our world, sadly. So the people in your lives, your loved ones, what they need, they need Christ. They don't need to clean their life up. They don't need to, I mean, yes, but that comes with Christ. That's going to be the best route of that is with Christ. Because your biggest need is forgiveness for your sins. And, the, and this is also true for others as well. So I'd like to end with this, this idea is that... Um, the, the people in your life, their biggest need is they need Christ. And look at these, these guys that brought, uh, brought their friend to Jesus. They're, they're holding this, carrying the mat, and they're lugging him down there. They get to the door. It's too crowded. They don't leave him at the exit and say, well, maybe he'll exit this way and we get him on the way out. They get him up on the roof. Can you imagine? I don't know how they got a guy on the roof. They got him up on the roof. They open the thing. They open the roof up. They're not taking no for an answer, and they're getting them down there in front of Jesus. Now, they were just thinking healing, but Jesus had something bigger. But notice it said, Jesus, uh, in this passage, when G verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he didn't just say when Jesus saw his faith, Jesus saw their faith. And I'm sure his faith was part of that because he was, he was a participant in this. When he saw their faith, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Uh, their faith that Jesus could heal contributed to him having his sins forgiven. Can you have faith for loved ones that Jesus can heal them, that can, Jesus can forgive their sins? Now, obviously, they're going to have their own faith too, but I'm asking you to pray in faith for that person that Jesus can forgive them, can draw them, to a new relationship, can draw them in this, in this relationship where their sins are forgiven and they can know the Father. Having faith that Jesus can do that, not just in your own life, but in other people's life as well. I know we all got knuckleheads in our family that you think, oh, there's no way. Uh, but can, if Jesus did that for you, he could do that for them too. And what they need more than anything is Jesus, more than their life cleaned up. And I promise you, they, Jesus intervenes, their life will get cleaned up. Let's not put the cart in front of the horse. Okay, so the beautiful point this morning is this. Your greatest need is forgiveness for your sins, even more than the very real issues you face in your life, as shown by Jesus' interaction with this guy on this mat, this paralyzed man on this mat. And we know that Jesus is the answer, is the only answer for our problem with sin. And this is more than just a one-time uh, 
event where I, I confess my sin to you, but we continue, as we continue to sin, we need to continue to confess our sin and put Jesus in control again to experience this joy of new life. And this isn't just true for ourselves, it's true for others as well. So we're going to um, end uh, our time this morning with communion, with remembering what Jesus did for us, acknowledging that the biggest need we have as we take this communion, the acknowledgement is the biggest need that we have is forgiveness for our sins. And so it's praising him, not just for the, the stuff he's done in our life, like we all have stories of what God has done in our life, and they're beautiful, wonderful stories, but taking the moment to acknowledge, wow, you forgave my sin. You've taken my sin from me. Experiencing that forgiveness of sin, celebrating that forgiveness of sin. And if you this morning uh, need forgiveness for sin, maybe you recognize as you're sitting here like, Dang, Tom, yeah, you know what? I, I've been just kind of doing my thing, and that thing is kind of a sin thing, and I haven't been walking with Christ. Fresh forgiveness today. There's fresh forgiveness for you today uh, as we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So that's your final fill in the blank before you open your thing. Final fill in the blank is this. Enjoy fresh forgiveness from Jesus today. Um, so to open these, uh, oh, Zoomers, I should have told you ahead of time. Communion, cracker juice, something, uh, grab water, grab a uh, piece of bread, whatever you got handy. Uh, so you can uh, participate in taking communion with us this morning as we remember what Jesus did for us and the forgiveness of sins that, that that brings about. And so my hope for you is as you do this, if there's any sin in your life right now, this would be something you can confess to him, receive forgiveness and put him in charge going forward. A reminder as you open these, uh, they, they can be a hassle to open. Uh, open the, the clear part first to get the wafer out. Oh, I'm about ready to do it wrong. If you open the big thing, then you can't get the wafer out. I'm going to do this wrong. I'm going to set my mic down. Okay, that was a two-hander. Did you get it out okay? That was, well, we did it. Praise the Lord, that took so long. So Zoomers, hopefully you had a chance to, uh, to get your communion stuff together. Uh, so we're gonna do this together in remembrance of what, what, uh, what Christ did. So the night Jesus portrayed, they were having dinner together. It was, it was supper and they were having a meal together like they commonly did. And then he took the bread and he broke the bread, passed it around and says, this is my body broken for you take and eat in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat in remembrance of his body broken for us. And then he took the cup, poured it, passed it around. So this is my blood shed for you. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Remember Christ's, sac Christ's sacrifice for us. And let's enjoy fresh forgiveness this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your eternal perspective. Thank you so much for seeing our greatest need and meeting our greatest need. Thank you so much for forgiving our sin. Thank you that when you see us, you don't see our sin. God, I pray that as we think of ourselves, we want to think of ourselves according to those past sins. We want to listen to the accuser, but instead, uh, lean into your forgiveness. 
God, if there's anybody here that needs to experience fresh forgiveness right now, I pray that you would wash over them with your forgiving grace. Give them a fresh start, a new beginning. And God, as we walk out of here, we want to submit to your spirit and your spirit's leading to say no to sin and yes to you. Thank you so much for the newness of life that comes with that. In Jesus' name, amen.